Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand, and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything-in-one-place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's show, today we have the honour of hosting the dynamic duo behind the renowned Lagoon Dining in Melbourne, Chris Lurch and Keith Lee. Since their launch in 2019, Lagoon Dining has made a name for itself with distinctive East Asian inspired cuisine amidst a sea of European venues in Carlton. With the melding of their passion for fun, flavour and friendship, Chris and Keith have propelled Lagoon Dining into an amazing, prestigious accolades. Welcome, Chris and Keith. How are you both? Really well, thank you, Sean. Thanks for having us. Fantastic to have you both on the program and especially because, you know, you guys are in the midst of really being accoladed for the amazing work that you guys have done the last three or four years. So it's great to have you on the podcast at this point of your journey. So thanks so much for coming on. I think it's going to be a really dynamic conversation as well. I've really look forward to this because I've really wanted to understand in a midst of, you know, European cuisine that sits around you guys to do an amazing Southeast Asian dining concept, like to break through and to be longstanding as you are, like is an amazing feat. So Chris, let's, let's start with you. Can you share the story around the brand and the choice to put an East Asian cuisine restaurant in Carlton? Well, our original conversations kind of started in 2015. We were all working. Well, there was three of us in the business. There's now just myself and Keith. And we were having chats and conversations working for a different employer. And then I guess we just noticed things in in the way that each other worked or got to know each other a little bit more. And then it came to a point where you kind of think, hey, it's time to branch out and do our own thing. So that was all around 2015. And then there was... People were in and out of Melbourne, people were living overseas, but each time that the three of us would come back together, we would have these conversations about what we were going to do. And then Keith and I had both resigned in the same year, and that's kind of when we thought, all right, it's time to actually, you know, put some, lay out some solid plans. And firstly, that was around getting some finances, yep. And then we started looking for leases and looking for sites. And we really did look for many places in the inner north originally wasn't it yeah i mean we had a couple of sites we looked through but it was mainly for the inner north essentially you know the cbd was obviously an attraction but i think just at a price point in terms of leasing and that kind of thing it was obviously going to be quite difficult and you know all of us sort of live within the inner north as well so we kind of had that sort of perspective we essentially sort of made some more concrete plans in 2018 and then we sort of landed on 263 Lagon street so you know i mean from the get-go, like we always wanted to find a site that was a 
approximately 200 square meters. It's had uh, the capacity for a la carte and private dining as well. Mm. So, you know, probably around 80 packs in, in, in total. So yeah, that was probably our starting point. I guess we know, obviously, Carlton is identified as having this strong Euro-Italian history, which it still does. We just saw an opportunity there. And this particular site that came up at 263, it was 200 square metres. It didn't have any weird walls or structures in it. There was a lot of history to the building as well too. It previously, it had been like on food stall. And, you know, both the sites, you know, where we were on both sides, they had fully signs. There was more fully signs further up the road. So we just thought with the proximity to the CBD, still this connection to the inner north, that it was a good opportunity for us. I guess we really didn't think too much about that we were going into an area that was renowned for Italian food. Yes, obviously that was in the in the backs of our mind. We just thought that our idea or our offering was going to be strong and, and received well. I mean, it's funny because we still get people sort of walk past and peer through the windows and they're like, oh, what did this space used to be? Like some people come by and like, oh, this used to be the Lagoon Food Store kind of thing. That was obviously quite a long time ago. Yep. And I think previously before we actually took the lease up, it was vacant for a couple of years. So it's definitely... It's, that strong kind of Euro culture still within the area. It was always going to be like a little bit of a risk of opening up an Asian restaurant within that, but we've just got to play to our strengths essentially. Like the premise of Lagoon's food obviously revolves around Chinese food and its influence around the world, whether that be Southeast Asia, China, you know, there's obviously influences in other parts of Asia, but it's just like so diverse. And for myself, Specifically, I grew up in a Chinese-Malaysian household by background, so I had the privilege of being exposed to a lot of different kinds of foods. We used to go back to Malaysia once a year to visit family, so that's essentially what I grew up eating. So even when I go out to eat, I always naturally gravitate towards eating Asian food, as, you know, as stereotypical as that sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and people really enjoy that there is there is another offering on Lycon Street now as well too. People love pasta, people love the Euro flavours as well too, but there's so many of the locals just have responded so warmly to having a venue that is different to what they have seen in the past and Carlton itself is like so diverse outside of Ligon Street you just need to stick a block either side and there's so much more that's happening outside of what the traditional kind of Italian vibe is. I like talking about origin stories if that's okay so can I talk a bit more about how you found the spot and how you went through a process of like thinking with your head and then thinking with your heart in relation to where Ligon is. Lagoon is, sorry. Did it take you a long time to actually find that particular space? And did you know once you walked through the door that was going to be the space? Yeah, yeah. it is funny because, like, the first time we walked through the space, like, if you look at it now compared to what it was previously, it's completely different. We spend quite a bit of time in the demolition process, like, taking down all the the walls, and it had these arches on the wall, I believe. On the ceiling, sorry. Plaster everywhere. Plaster, you know, we knocked it all down. It was like a very low ceiling, but now it's all exposed and and high. So yeah, I think, you know, once we walked through, we're like, yeah, this could definitely be something. I think, you know, we could definitely make something out of it. And we just sort of, you know, I think we felt the potential in that area or in that particular block of Ligon Street as well too. King and Godfrey had just reopened with the refresh. Carlton Wine Room was around the corner. So Mm. there was activity that was going on there and I think just being that close proximity to the CBD and also still to the inner north we thought that our offering would sit comfortably you know within this space Mm. and the space itself I guess felt super warm there's two levels it's 200 square meters and we saw that opportunity that there was enough in there for us because it wasn't small it wasn't too large it was manageable. Was it hard to know when to stop 
when you were doing the fit out and when you were thinking about the actual brand? Because I find especially when the, the clients that we work with, when they do their first venue, you get so excited about what you're doing. You want to put every, and you've often, usually come from 15 to 20 years in the industry before you actually do your first venue with most people. And you're so excited, you want to put all that thought that you've had in your career into that first spot. Was it hard to know how to be restrictive? I think we were pretty restrained from the get-go. Like, our original plans were probably a little bit more subdued than what they were now. And then, obviously, budget comes into how that how your venue looks and how, you, how your venue feels. I think we had a pretty strong food concept and a, we had a pretty strong food and service concept straight off the bat, so we knew what we wanted what we needed to achieve that. Like we weren't going for something that was supposed to be super, super high end and we weren't going for something that was super relaxed. So we've just kind of found, you know, this you know point that where it's, I guess, comfortable for, there's yeah. a good balance yeah, throughout absolutely. the venue and that obviously is a reflection of the offering as well. Keep the menu blend. Obviously you talked about, you know, Southeast Asian, East Asian dishes that are on the menu. How did you actually strike that balance, especially what I'm seeing in Melbourne is is probably a blend of what's happening, but also coming from places like Sydney, I'm seeing them take particular countries like Cantonese cuisine or, or different cuisines and actually just doing that particular cuisine. Like, how did you actually build the menu itself? I mean, like I said previously, it's obviously food that we enjoy eating, but simply the premise of Lagoon and its the menu that we offer is always flavour first. Chris and I always spend a lot of time just talking about things that we've eaten on the weekends. That, that's probably when we travel. Yeah, yeah, obviously when we go travelling and like what we eat and our, our own personal experiences. So essentially whenever we put something onto the menu, we want it to be as good or better than the dish that it's replacing. So like every dish is really carefully considered. Having worked in fine dining previously for the majority of my career, I definitely think my style of food has changed in what way it's still very technique driven but you know in a way you kind of just have to learn how to put a bit more restraint on onto dishes sure and it can't just be like 10 different things on a plate you know for example like our hot and sour shredded potato dish it's really just three components on it's super simple but like in premise the techniques and the seasoning and the processes behind it that actually make it what it is or what we do to it essentially just make it really different i suppose a lot of our dishes on the menu are really traditional but we always try to elevate them essentially by taking our own spin on it and doing this through technique and seasoning like one of my favorite dishes on the menu at the moment is our, our braised offal our ox tongue oh wow yeah so it's, it's a play on offal essentially you know which is quite common within Asian, Asian cuisine, but we cook it in a really heavily spiced soy braise. It's served with a jalapeno and green tomato sambal and sits on top of cream cheese and a savory crepe. We kind of draw that inspiration from Chinese street food, which is Jianbing. But for me, you know, it tastes like a kebab and a pepperoni pizza like, <laughs> rolled into one. So it's like completely original, completely different, but you know, it still has that essence of uh, coming from a traditional place. Does it take a long time to actually develop the dishes that you develop? Like, are you doing seasonal menus or how are you sort of going about your menu creation? I think we just kind of just change dishes as we as we want to. I wouldn't say that we're like a, a super seasonal restaurant. Sure. It obviously takes more than one or two times to get a dish to where it is. We just want it to be absolutely banging, <laughs> essentially, when it, when it goes into the menu. Like, we can't, we don't want to put it on and just be like, okay, that was good. But we want it to be absolutely great. And we want our diners to, to have it and enjoy it and, you know, kind of get that joy that we get out of it when mm. we taste it as well. So whether that takes 
two weeks, three weeks sometimes. It can be quite quite frustrating at times. It's like you obviously want to make changes to things, but if it doesn't happen the first time, you just have to keep trying. It, when you look back at 2019, when you opened this venue, and we're now sitting at the end of 2023, is what you imagined the restaurant was going to be at the start, is it what it is now? Or is it, or is it, how much has that evolved? How much is it different from your original concept? I think it's not too far removed from yeah. the original concept. Yeah. I think that the outcome of that, what has gone on in between 2019 in terms of mm. lockdowns and the challenges that we've had with businesses, you know, just with, with business is definitely different to what we thought we would be going into in 2019. I'm surprised with how, you know, the feedback and the warmth that we receive from people. Like when Keith was talking about, you know, each dish, you know, all of the dishes before, we feel like obviously people have favourites, but each dish holds up to, to its own. I think that I've been kind of not surprised, but, you know, just how everything on our menu is received with, you know, so much enthusiasm. Like nothing is... Nothing is less than the, the previous dish. Now that we're in 2023, the vibe and the ambience and the response from people is where I thought that we would get to and I hope that we would achieve. And I think we've still obviously got a long way to go as well too. But you do make tweaks along the way. Like when we first opened, we had different various menus for different times of day and I guess those kind of things, which we realised we actually don't need that. We mm. just need to like stick to <laughs> one solid offering or more than solid. People will want that or people will respond well to that. Is that fair? Do you yeah, think? that's yeah. absolutely fair. I mean, like Chris said, I think when we opened, we were like, we'll have a Sunday menu, Sunday lunch menu. <laughs> we'll have like we'll have all the feed me's ready for like pescatarians, vegetarians, vegans. Like we always do some of those things, but like it's definitely more, it's just cut back to exactly like this is what we need. And <clears throat> those things, like we actually just don't need them. Must must be pretty humbling though to think the challenges of the last four years, especially opening just before really the pandemic started, and then you're staying true to the original vision. Obviously, you've evolved and shaped it as any good restaurant brand does, but to still stay in the pocket that you started in and for it to be successful now must be incredibly humbling because so many brands had to change or just like for whatever reason had to change during the last three years dramatically from what they first envisioned mm. must be pretty humbling that now it's like the, it's coming to fruition the amazing work that you guys have done the last four years yeah I mean Chris and I we always just live by sticking to our guns if we want to do something we'll just do it like you know we don't have to please everybody out there you know I mean obviously we have to but you know at the end of the day if we're happy and that that's the most important thing I think for us yeah yeah, yeah. You've obviously got a venue which is both polished and relaxed, right? How do you have this blend of the two? Especially, keep coming from fine dining, you would have come from, obviously, I imagine a lot bigger venues and, and, and that kind of stuff, a high end of service. But having this relaxed style, amazing food that's accessible, obviously doing really well. How did you strike that balance between the two? We kind of talk about all this all the time. And, you know, we find that the fundamentals of fine dining, you know, are really kind of still within all that we do in saying this you know we wanted to create a space that captures all these elements but it's delivered in a more casual style so the very first steps that we took even before we secured finance and started looking at the sites was we met with like a creative agency a graphic designer um, Tristan Sedia and you know spoke to him about what we were hoping to achieve 
And then from that point, you know, we were introduced to our architect and then obviously discussions happened between, you know, all of us. And then the combination of what we wanted to achieve, you know, what they thought for the venue as well too, that's kind of, I guess that's really dictated the, the style of the venue through, you know, the food and the service and the, and the ambience as well now. So, I mean, Tristan's style is really, you know, playful and considered. And I think that is a good reflection of what we also offer at Lagoon. I'm kind of, you know, we're still always surprised when people walk in and say, like, wow. <laughs> you know, because I think, oh, well, we actually didn't spend huge amounts of money on the... F- I mean, we did, obviously, to a point, but, you know, it's not like walking into, you know, some of those super, super premium venues, and I'm so glad that we obviously <laughs> didn't, didn't do that. Um, talking about the budget, I guess, before, you know, the budget really played into what we could achieve and didn't achieve, so mm. I think that's kind of fed in through the combination of this kind of, yeah, refined, polished, casual, you know, relaxed. But now after four years, I guess, I think we've really settled into the space and I feel like all the elements that are needed to create a restaurant or a dining experience, you know, work perfectly together. Sure. With with that budget in mind, like how did you know what to spend the most money on at the start. Like a lot of venues in their, in their first couple of venues will spend a lot of money on the ceiling or a lot of money on the furniture or the tables or the bathroom or, you know, or the archway when you walk in. How did you know coming from the amazing experiences you both had in the industry before this venue, what you needed to spend money on to make sure you had a great customer experience? I think it was actually probably hard to know what that figure was or to <laughs> arrive at that figure initially. Yeah. But, you know, like we obviously had a great architect and some builders that gave us some pretty good guidance along the way. Yeah, We had lots of meetings with them and just saying, like Chris said, this is what we want to get out of the space and this is what we want to achieve. So if you can help tailor something to that, that's, you know, that's essentially what happened. Yeah, they'd give us like the most high-end option and then we would work back from that to yes. see what fit. But yeah. for me, like, sound was really important. Like, music, making sure that there wasn't too much noise. We have these two high-pack walks which are on the ground level, so there's a lot of noise from the kitchen. People can still have conversate, like intimate conversations with them and we needed to be functional and, and practical and we were trying to obviously have... You want as many seats or as many covers in the space that you can comfortably as well too. I feel like the space at Lagoon is very easy knit for people to navigate so all those things were really important i think where we kind of did do a good job at was making a work space that was that's practical (laughs) as well too net looking back i think oh we could have cut this here and we could have created more space there ultimately it's working for us so i mean we were very mindful of our but we had a budget and we just had to stick to it and when you're doing a fit out there are so many incidents incidentals along the way we had to upgrade our gas, we had to upgrade our grease traps. Mm. These things are not cheap in any kind of way. I think the, the, the space now is just, you know, exactly how we envisioned it, yeah. really. I mean, we always wanted to have a nice sort of open kitchen where diners could see, see things and, like, they'd be able to sit at the kitchen pass and interact with chefs or, you know. Yep. I mean, we got that, you know, it's nice. It's just a, it's just a nice place to work in. Like, I... That was the other, wasn't that the other thing? Because we'd worked in venues where the kitchen was out the back and it was under fluorescent white lights <laughs> yeah. for however many, you know, five days a week for however many hours of work. And yeah. we didn't want that. We wanted the kitchen to be open. We wanted people to see the chefs, 
you guys wanted to see it's nice. daylight. It's nice to just be able to look yeah. into the street and just feel like you're locked away somewhere. Yeah, I think that was one of the that was one of the things. Yeah, yeah. one of the main things. Yeah. How how has the kitchen team found that? Because a lot of a lot of chefs and cooks have never worked in open kitchens before. Like I've always worked in open kitchens, but like, how was that? Was it okay? <laughs> as soon as someone new starts in the kitchen, you're like. If you see a guest, you have to say hello. You have to say awesome. good evening, hello, thank you very much. Now they all do it. Like, you know, it's it's great. And people love it as well. I think people actually get a little bit shocked that there's someone from the kitchen talking to them. They walk past and they're like, oh, wow, why are you talking to me? But most people respond really well to it. So that's just sort of just been ingrained in in that sort of part of the kitchen from... It's a part of our service. Yeah, it's yeah. just part of it, and people really like it. Is that hard to train into the team? And the reason I ask that, just to have a think about that while well, explain a bit more, especially at your end of the market, which is just underneath fine dining, it's this mm. premium fast casual, which is really, really polished, as we were saying before. I reckon that's one of the hardest parts of the hospitality industry to continue delivering great front of house service. Because there's this balance of relaxedness, but making sure that you're doing everything right from steps of service. Like, it's really, really hard to do. How have you managed to, to make sure your team understand that and really enjoy working in the venue, especially coming out of COVID, to stand up that team again, to retrain, to rehire, to go through that process? I think for both Keith and I, you know, we both respect what each other does. Like, and we both value what each other does equally. So Keith values service as much as I do. I value cooking or seasoning as much as what he does as well. So I think that's just part of what, whether it's our kitchen or our front of house team, that everyone has that understanding. But ultimately it's for us to maintain and like he's Keith said like when you st- staff start it's they're told hey you need to acknowledge a guest you need to say hello you know please say goodbye if you're delivering food and you're at the pass then this is the way that it needs to go down like introduce the menu for us so I think you know we're, we're a small team so it's it's fairly easy to manage if we were larger then I guess that would throw a few more challenges into the mix but I think post COVID and you know with all the challenges that we've had because, you know, everyone kind of does everything at Lagoon almost as well too. Like, you know, our chefs will, if they need to jump in and help clear and they'll jump in and help clear. If I need to well, jump in and do <laughs> yeah. the dishes or yeah. if I need to jump in on the walk, we just do that. So uh, I think, yeah, we're kind of, people just see that we both do that ourselves. So, you know, they generally pick up on it. Again, just it's about maintaining consistency. I think what you said, where we sit just that fast casual but polished as well too there's there's not really any room there is room for error obviously but we try and avoid that where we can and you know things do obviously occasionally unravel which is not pleasant for us but i think when they do unravel it's our expectation or we're the most critical of when these things happen yeah i think like you know as a diner you might not necessarily realize it but for us when we do it every single day you're like oh wow that was like that wasn't great but yeah most people probably don't really know or don't yeah realize it which is yeah understand how do you feel about the Carlton scene at the moment since you opened four years ago has it changed how have you seen it evolve and change as an actual suburb in regards to food and beverage how are you feeling about it right now 
I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. There's a lot of other businesses that have come into the area since we opened. There's less for lease sites now as well too. Yeah, I agree. And I also, you know, we kind of like, if you came to Lagoon, where were you going next? So there are other bars and other venues that have opened up as well. Or if you're coming to Lagoon, where are you going first? I think it just it's starting to come back and it's starting to feel like on the weekends particularly, like mm. there's a lot more energy, there's a lot more people around. Yeah, I think there's a lot happening there. There's a lot of opportunity there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think yeah. it's a good mix. There's a good mix of like young crowd that come in and there's also obviously the oldies that sort of live within the area. A lot of our regulars are probably a little bit older, but I think more increasingly recently we have been seeing a slightly younger crowd come through the doors, which is great. Let's talk about, you know, those accolades that you've received the last little bit. Obviously, the Delicious 100 People's Choice Awards and most recently, as of this week when we're recording this podcast, the Victorian Top 25 Restaurants in Gourmet Traveller Annual Restaurant Guide. How do these awards make you feel as a business? I imagine you must have dreamt of winning these kind of awards, maybe, maybe, maybe not, beforehand. Does it feel like you thought it would make you feel? Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Chris and I are just extremely proud, I think. We're just happy that people genuinely enjoy the product that we offer. Like I said, just them. But we have a lot of regulars and like a really strong core of them that they come and dine with us quite often. A lot of whom have supported us since we opened as well. It's just humbling to be acknowledged by these kinds of people and also people who work within the industry. Obviously, the two awards are very different in their own right. I think that people who don't work within the industry still don't fully understand the time and effort that goes into running a small businesses and creating a real dining experience for them especially in the, in the current climate. So, you know, extremely grateful. How do you feel running a small business at the moment? Is it what you imagined? And I've run bakeries in my early 20s and I remember when I first opened and I was like, yeah, I'm shit hot now. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to work and whatever. And then all of a sudden I went from working 38 hours a week as an employee to 90 hours a week on a regular basis every public holiday, every Sunday. <laughs> and my ego quickly got a lot smaller <laughs> but, but you've got the two of you mm. which i think is a massive massive benefit in the fact you can balance each other and, and talk to each other about situations that happened how is it being a small business owner together well we there it, it's there's so many challenges and you know i guess our expectations when we went into it in 2019 are a little different to what they are now i think that's one of the challenges that for keith and i like Obviously, getting recognised by these awards are amazing, but we want to maintain them next year and the years beyond that as well too. But also, outside of having Lagoon and offering a great experience and a great product to people, I mean, for me personally, that the business not being so reliant on myself and Kate being there from open to close, that's, I guess, one of the other you know, things that's in the pipeline that we want to not step away from it in any way but we can't sustain that for (laughs) however (laughs) potentially over many years beyond that i think the challenges of running a small business it's just so dynamic like every day is yeah is different and we've had inconsistencies with staff so we want to get to a point where we have staff with us for periods of time where they're actually i feel like people when they do leave us do take away these skills but we really want to kind of 
like nurture them more and have things in place where they can go on and have careers go on to open their own businesses with hospitality but having someone that every day I know that Keith will be there <laughs> every I mean I, it's, it's, a it's a save it's every a day I'll be there and a lot of the things a lot of the decisions that you make daily and weekly are the same as the previous week but then a lot of them are always new and always fresh so it's good to have always have someone that's available there so that you can just run something by or question or you know have a quick conversation about and move forward and Keith's a very very positive person so like whenever I'm thinking <laughs> try try my best <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like he can be like if I'm getting stressed out about something then he'll just be like cool let's just push on let's just do this and there's always a solution there I, I mean I admire people who go into small business on their own as solos like that's just incredible we're very fortunate that we do have each other to mm, lean on yeah. yeah what kind of legacy are you guys trying to leave the industry with I'm really impressed out of today's conversation because I can just imagine being a staff member with inside your venue and how lucky no I'm not bullshitting you and how lucky I would feel working with both of you because I think you'd actually genuinely care about that person coming through and wanting to add value to the hospitality industry and maybe I've just taken your answer but like what kind of legacy do you both try and leave the hospitality industry with I guess we we do have we have spoken about this a little bit and I don't I'm not really sure if it's a legacy as yet but you know we have had conversations where you know if Lagoon closed then we would be extremely proud of what we have created. And I think what we offered is completely unique and I think it's not seen before in Melbourne, Victoria or Australia even. So we offered people a really, really good time and they had a great experience with us and it was interesting. So I think that's partial some of the legacy, but as I touched on before, there's still a lot to achieve as business operators or small business owners. I think not being so reliant on the two of us, I think that's just setting up the business so that yeah it's a little more sustainable for so that we have time so that Keith has time to create more dishes or I've got time to think about more collaborations or what we're planning in the future well uh, talking about plans for the future what are the plans for the future <laughs> are you guys doing another venue do you want to do a, a smaller kind of offering I imagine there's a lot of people who are sort of reaching out to you wanting to expand the brand like it's pretty obvious to me how well you guys are doing especially in a really hot pocket of the market in regards with Southeast Asian cuisine if you can really hone that product as you guys have it's a really good way to expand the hospitality group we haven't got too much planned at the minute we're just really focused on the next four or five months as we move into the spring and summer sure. and the, the peak of hospitality we always have discussions about what we're going to do next or what what we're thinking about but there's nothing that's like set in stone yeah, there's nothing um, concrete just as yet i think for us over the last four years as we touched on there has been so many inconsistencies and there's been heaps and heaps of challenges so we'd love to see a little bit more consistency but i just don't think that exists in hospitality anymore. no like, when, <laughs> I, when i look back and think of venues when i managed you know you'd look at what the previous year was and then the next year you do 10 percent more than that and then the next year you do 10 percent more than that so with lagoon we probably haven't seen that we see there's so much variance so you know we'd love to see it just to be a little bit more consistent as we move into 2024 and i think once we start to see that that's when we can start to think a little bit more about what our next plan is or what our next move are we sometimes you know we think 200 square meters is our current site it would have been good to have 100 square metres or we're not ready to go anything beyond that as well. But, you know, there's so many 
like different styles of food within Chinese cuisine. So maybe potentially there's scope for focusing on a different flavor or a different country or a different region. That's kind of our plans at the moment is to have a super, super strong summer and then see where we land in 2024. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what you both do. And I, I mean what I said, like I think you've got a real opportunity here to expand it and evolve it and it's a no-brainer that you guys mm. will. So thanks so much. Boys, what's what's the best way that people can find out about Lagoon and, and come on down and dine in Carlton? Well, we're at 263 Ligon Street, so we're between Faraday and Grattan, and there's always plenty of room for people to walk in. We've always got some bar seats available. Our, you know, We're really proud of our Instagram and our socials, so that's a really good starting point. If you, if you haven't seen our brand before or mm. know what our offering is, then mm. that gives a, a good reflection of what we offer at Carlton. But, yeah, I think that's where it Yep. Fun and fun and flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I have to say, like, you're, if if you guys, if, whoever's listening, if they haven't tuned into Lagoon Dining and had a look, like, just go to your Instagram and go to your website. Mm-hmm. It is one of the best of the two that I've I've seen for a long time. And I love the fact that you guys focus on yellow as a color as well. I think that's a really positive thing too. <laughs> nice. Just wanted to point that out, <laughs> guys. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed today's conversation. So thanks for coming in. Thanks, Sean. Thanks appreciate so much, it. Sean. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning to this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. I know I definitely did. Especially as you should support Victorian businesses, especially one like Lagoon Dining. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind as always, so we'd really appreciate you sharing it along. Until next time, stay well, everyone. Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand, and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything-in-one-place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com.